You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, I don't know about you, but I love my church, and I just want to let you know, one of the reasons that uh, I'm just so just in love with our church is uh, just, man, what an outpouring of love you did last week toward a uh, village in India. I, I got to tell you, like, literally, you need to know this. Um, there were over 80 signups last week. It only takes 50 to sponsor a village. So what God is doing in and through you is just phenomenal. I ran into my neighbor uh, the other day, and she's been to our church a number of times. And, and she just, I was going out to get the mail, and she said, you know what? I want to sponsor one of those kids. What do I need to do to do that? And again, so just uh, God's going to continue to expand and just thank you because of you. Just awesome things. So we just give it up for what God's doing with us, among us. That's good, good stuff. Uh, at Sun Grove Church, I love our church. Uh, the purpose of our church, the vision of our church, the whole reason that we exist, our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted Christ followers, which means you and I still have work to do, right? We haven't arrived. We haven't settled. We still got work to do. And, and at Sun Grove Church, we believe that that happens best when we encounter God, we grow through community, and we live our calling. So we encounter God that first time. We, we have this moment where we know that we know that we know that God is drawing us into relationship with him, that I need to surrender my life to the God of the universe. We have this moment where he speaks to us in that, and we encounter him. Uh, typically, when you encounter God, you encounter him in the now. And you might look back and say, I'm looking back at that moment I accepted Christ, and that was in the past. So everyone say past. That's in the past, right? You're looking back at it, but in the moment that that happened, the moment that you knew in your heart, you knew in your head that you were to respond back to God, that was in the now. And God so often speaks to us in the now. And, and so I want to um, just say, like, I mean, it's just pretty awesome. I want to invite Matt Lingo back out. Will you give Matt a hand as he's coming back out here? I want to illustrate this for you here for a minute, and uh, Matt, you're doing a great job. It's so fun to be in India, uh, but I want to let you know, Matt, um, this long, pen. That was a long time of 24 hours a day for like eight, nine days in a row. It was, it was, and I didn't get tired of I'm Matt Glad I still all. like you. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I mean, you know, you never know, right? It's like, you know, you, you think you're all great, and then you're like, this is my roommate for like how many days? And right now, yeah. it was awesome. But uh, Matt, there's this pen that people have in their seat back in front of them, and it's, it's really cool. Um, and what I want you to do, Matt, is I want... I want you to take this pen from me. No, Matt, Matt I, want you to, I want you to take this pen from me. It's I mean, like, you just need to... It's like the sword and the stone thing. It, it is. You got to... Yeah, there. sword and the stone. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Come on. What's wrong with the other hand? Come on. Come on. All right. All right. He's got the pen. He's got the pen. Well, Matt, I want to... I, I think we destroyed it a little bit. Um, but what I, want, what I want you to do is, uh, Matt, I want to say that when you took the pen just now, you took the pen in the past. By the time your hand reached out to take it, that was in the past. And what I wanted you, I wanted you to take the pen in the now. And, and so here, let, let me borrow that pen here again. Thanks, that was really easy. Um, when I was asking, I was saying, Matt, when did, you make, when did you take the pen? Did you take it when your hand reached out and grabbed it, or did you take it before your hand reached out and grabbed it? When my hand grabbed it? No, no, something happened. When I said, Matt, I want you to take this pen, that's right, in your head. You decided, I'm going to reach out and take the pen. Like, you didn't have it yet. You didn't know how you were going to get it away yet. You had some challenges in that. But you decided the moment of now was in your head. So by the time you reached out to take it, that was in the past. 
Here's a pen for you. Thank you, Scott. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. All right. God often speaks to us in the now. Let me tell you, I was walking in India through different villages, and we had visited a number of villages, and I'm walking through some villages just thinking, hey, this is great. I hope some church someday comes along and sponsors this village. I, I just hope that happens. That would be really cool if some church in you know, California, Colorado, you know, Washington, any other place, if they decided to do that, wouldn't it be great someday that somebody would sponsor this village? And then we walked through one village, and in that moment, God met me in the moment of now. It was that moment where you're walking through, and, and God just says to me, Dave, I want you to do something about this. And I'm like, me? Like, like God, are you asking me? But it's that place where God begins to just break into your world and it's like time slows down in that moment. You just know that you know that you know that God is asking you to take the pen. He's asking you to reach out and do something. And you say, but God, I, I, I don't know. I don't, how, how am I going to have the resources to do this? How are you going to work this together? I don't know. Our church, we already sponsor a village. And are you asking me to do something, me personally? Are you asking me to get some families together and, and maybe together we do something as a, as a work? Are you asking the church to do this? God, how is this going to happen? I don't know how it's going to happen. But all I knew that I knew that I knew is in that moment God spoke to me in the now. I want to ask you a question. Do you trust God with the now? That I believe that even if you're here today, that God wants to speak to you in the now. And you say, but God, I, I, I've been a mess. Or God, I, I don't know yet. Or God, that's so distant I, that that's going to happen in my future. Or, or God, that's already happened in my past. And I don't know how this is all going to work together. And, and God's just saying, you're going to trust me. With the now? Are you going to keep reaching back to what he did in the past? Or are you going to trust him right here and right now with the now? See, in our culture right now, we've got kids who are acting like adults. It's a child-centered world, right? And we try to build up and perk up our kids and, like, give them all these experiences. And our schedule's run by our kids. And everything in our culture says it's be kid-centered. It's all about the kids. And, and, and so what happens is kids learn, hey, it is all about me. And then they start to think, I, it's a child-centered world. And, and nobody ever tells me that I do bad, it, it would seem. And, and no one should ever judge me. I should be able to just be myself and express myself the way I want. And it's a child-centered world. And we have, we have kids who are kids, but they're making adult decisions, and some of them are just hanging on, waiting for the day their birthday changes to 18, so they can say, well, now I can make full decisions as an adult. But maybe or maybe not, maturity has happened along the way. We've got kids acting like adults in our culture. The other problem is we've got adults who are acting like kids. I don't mean they're acting like babies sucking on their thumb. What I mean is that these got these adults who are throwing away their responsibilities. They are throwing away their duty. They are throwing away their commitments. And they're saying, I want to go back and live foolish like an untrained child. We've got a problem in our culture. And this problem was happening as well in the church in Colossae. And so Paul begins writing to the church in Colossae and saying, listen, things can be better. They can be different. We can make a change. And as Christ followers, you and I, we're called to be different from our world. 
that's what we are. We're going to look weird at times because we don't do things the same way everybody else does them, but that's okay because we're not trying to please the world. We're trying to say, God, how do I respond back and obey you because you are the first priority in my life? Paul has already shared that there are there are a number of sex sins that we've got to lay down. There are a number of prejudices that we've got to lay down in the early part of chapter 3. And then he goes on and he begins to say, here's the good virtues that you and I should pick up. If we lay those things down, then we've got to have something else to pick up that's good. It's a new way of living. It's a redeemed way of living. We've been bought. And now he begins to deal with the family. And a couple of weeks ago, Mike preached about husbands and wives. And Paul continues now talking to parents and to children. If you have your Bible, open with me to Colossians chapter 3. He'll instruct us in a few minutes in verse 20, and you can maybe thumbnail that, but we've got to start out with how do we get where we are. We've got to understand, first of all, that God makes a command to children. How many of you in this room, you at one time in your life, you've been a child? It's a trick question, right? Okay, all of us, right? And, and let me just say, God's going to give an instruction here to children, but I want to let you know that for you and me, that the truth is we are trading our early childhood for now being children, sons and daughters of the Most High God, and that we're going to respond back to him that just like we once had response to authority while we were children, we now want to have a response to the authority of God. And it's a beautiful thing. And so as Paul begins to unpack this, as he talks to children, as he talks to parents, next week as he talks about the issues of labor and employment, he's going to deal with the issues of authority. And we have to understand, first of all, that children are a gift from the Lord. Children are a gift from the Lord. Psalm chapter 127, verse 3, says that children are a heritage. Not only that, but they are like a reward from God. They're a gift from God. So what I want you to hear today, because you've been a child before, I've been a child before, and now we are all children of the Most High God. I want you to hear me. You are a gift. You're a gift. You were a gift initially when you were born, irrespective of the circumstances under which you were born. You were a gift. And now as an adult, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are now as well a gift, an inheritance to the Lord and it's pleasing to him. It's a beautiful thing. Children are a gift from the Lord. We also know though in our culture though that families are in trouble and we need hope, right? There's no question that my family, your family, our families culture-wide are in trouble, aren't they? Because we got this fierce independence that we want to do things our own way. We've got divorce. We've got bitterness. We've got disobedience. We have disrespect. We have despair. We have neglect. We have a lack of love. And we're seeing this percolate all throughout our culture. And if you're a young person here, a high schooler in here, if you are a junior higher in here, you're saying, you know what, I see all this. And maybe you're standing back going, Man, I, I don't know if I want family someday. I, I don't know if I want to do it like the, the church, or I don't know if I want to do it like my parents, or I don't know if I want to form a relationship that seems so forever and covenant and permanent. I don't know if I want to do that, and maybe today God will speak to you in the now. Maybe you're a young adult in here, and you're saying, hey, I'm still single, but I, I don't know if I ever want to have kids. And, and you're saying, I don't know, that seems like a lot of work, and it seems like it would just you know, take a lot. There'd be a lot of self-sacrifice involved. And, and you're looking at that, and, and maybe today God will speak to you in the now. 
maybe you're a parent and you're just trying to hang on, right? Your kids are young and you're like, I, I don't know about the future, Dave. I'm just trying to make it through today, you know, and, and I don't know if I can control the outcome of my kids and where they're going. And, and I, I'm just trying to keep up with today and maybe today God will speak to you in the now. Maybe for you, your kids are in their teenage years and you're like walking that fine line between, you know, they're moving to that point where they're going to become more like, as they become young adults, they're going to become more like your peers and you're going to those coaching years as opposed to the early childhood years and you're like, I'm having to navigate new emotions and new bodily functions and I'm having to navigate all this stuff that's going on and, and maybe today God wants to speak to you in the now. Maybe you're an adult and you've got children who are grown, they're out of the house you're not yet a grandparent, but your children are out of the house, and maybe you look back and you're like, I got some regrets. I, I got some wishes. I got, I got some things that I wish I did differently. I wish my wisdom I had now I could just go back and do over. Uh, maybe if some of you are saying, I think we're doing okay, but I, I can't control all the future, and maybe God today wants to speak to you in the now. And maybe you are someone who's got grandchildren, or maybe you're someone who's widowed, and maybe you're looking saying, I, I don't know what all the f future looks like in the years, but God, as a child of God, I don't want to be the person who lives in the past, what you did in my life in the past. God, I don't want to be the person who's always reflecting back. God, I want to live in the now. So, so maybe God is saying to you, you're not finished. Maybe God's saying to you, what have you done for me lately? And maybe today God will challenge you and speak to you in the now. I believe God wants to do that because we have families in trouble. Second Timothy, Paul writes to his buddy Timothy in chapter 3, verse 2, about the end times. He says this, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And we look and we see that in our culture right now, don't we? People who are willing to say, hey, I've got adults, I've got kids trying to act like adults. And I've got adults who are throwing away our, our adulthood and we're trying to act foolish again in our adulthood like kids and all the symptoms are showing up in all these things, whether it's anything from unforgiveness to being slanderous or not having self-control or living for pleasure or any of these things that he mentions here. But one of the things he lists in there so interestingly is that they're disobedient to their parents. So you ask the question, well, God, it just seems too big. If families are in trouble, if I'm in trouble, if trouble's lurking on the horizon, God, how are you going to change my situation? God, how are you going to change my family? God, how are you going to change my past? God, how are you going to undo the mistakes I've made in my kids? God, how are you going to change me? And maybe today God wants to speak to you in the now. And would you hear his voice when he speaks? When families put Christ in the first place of priority, God's order is restored. See, what we see is disorder. We see things going wild, the world going wild, and we see all sorts of disorder. But when you and I say we're going to put God as the first place, Christ in the first place of priority, then what happens is God's order becomes restored in our families. But let me tell you, it's not without a fight, right? Disorder is always going to fight against order. It's going to say we like being disordered. Believe me, when you put 
When you put Christ in the first place of priority in your family, you're going to have a fight. You want to know why? Because your kids are going to realize, wait a minute, we're going to do what God says, not what I want to do. You're going to require something of me because you want to honor God first. You bet there'll be a fight. Your routines will change. As parents, you might come to, come to conflict. There may be a disagreement of faith in your house right now, but when you put Christ in the first place of priority, you better believe that there will be conflict because disorder doesn't like order. But when you put Christ in the first place of priority, then order becomes restored in your family. And it might look like maybe not the whole family's going to church, but for me and my house, we're going to go serve the Lord. And you begin to put Christ in that first place of priority. So Paul writes to the church in Colossae, similar things he's written to Ephesus and some other places. But he says this in chapter 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Children are to obey God's word. This command is actually written to children. It's the Greek word tekna, which means any child under any sort of parental authority. That this is the only command, by the way, that is directed at kids. It's not the only command that kids need to obey. But this, hear me carefully, is the only command that's directed at kids. Paul's saying, listen, I'm just telling, I'm giving the word of God. It's all coming out. But kids, children, this is directed at you. And, and listen to me. Because it doesn't just mean little kids. It means high schoolers. It means junior hires. It means young adults who have gone beyond the age of 18, but they are still under their parental authority or they are in the dependence of their parents. Irrespective of what culture says, listen to what Paul says. He says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. It's not trying to please the law. It's not trying to please the parent. He's saying, listen, your obedience pleases the Lord. Paul, in fact, repeats this when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians 6.1, he says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So this is a common thread. He's saying, listen, as I'm writing this out to you, it's a common thread, but it didn't just come from Paul's mind. It didn't just come from Paul being like, hey, it's my personal opinion that kids should obey their parents. No, this goes all the way back. This phrase in Scripture is repeated all the way back to the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It's found and reinforced again in the Proverbs, both chapter 1, verse 8, and 6, verse 20. And other places in Scripture where the heart of God is listened. Children, you and I are to obey our parents. It pleases the Lord. Kids need to be in God's Word. They need to have a children's Bible when they're young and as soon as possible graduate away from a picture Bible to the written word of God, a young adult Bible, a youth Bible, an adult Bible. See, they are not exempt from obeying God's word just because they're young. You ever do that with your kids? You make excuses for them. Maybe your kid is shy and, and you're like, uh, they meet somebody and you're like, oh, shake their hand and your kid just hides behind you and then you go, oh, I'm sorry, they're just shy. All of a sudden the kid's like, hey. I don't have to shake anybody's hand. I don't got to look anybody in the eye, right? Because what happens, we just make an excuse for them. Oh, they're just young. They're just little. We don't expect them to obey. But the truth is, uh, children, we're, uh, all of us are expected to obey God's word, including kids. And they're not exempt 
from it because they're young. Now, there's a difference, please hear me, there's a difference between being childish and being foolish. See, childish is, oh, you just didn't know. It's just a kid being a kid. They've never been taught, like, you shouldn't do that. And maybe they bump the table, they knock something off, and it falls on the ground and it breaks. And that was an accident. It's childish. And we don't punish a kid for that. They didn't know. They were just spinning and being childish, right? There's a big difference between the kid who comes up and is like this. Sees the thing and is like, hey. Right? And you're like, do not touch that. Do not touch that at all. And then they look at you. And they knock it off, right? Big difference. That's willful disobedience. That's defiance. And parents, defiance always needs to be corrected. That's a moment of training for you right in that moment when it's willful disobedience, when it's defiance. We must learn to respect and teach our children to respect the authorities in their life. Why? Because we talk about this, right? Identity, formation, community, mission. Identity is you and I are sons or daughters of the most high God whom he loves with whom he's well pleased The next phase is formation. That's where you are tried tested and tempted It's a place where we allow training to happen. It's a place where we're gonna fall on our face It's a place where we're gonna learn through disobedience and repentance and obedience to train ourselves in righteousness So we don't go through those patterns forever Childhood is a time of formation. So let me ask you as parents, what are you trying to form in your children? Just letting them be a free spirit, do as they want, or are you trying to train them in a certain way? Well, children need that. Why? Because as they grow up, they're going to become adults. And if it's been a child-centered world, if it's been a me-centered world, they're going to grow up and think it's now a me-centered adulthood, and they're going to, it's going to have a harder challenge in their life to respond to the authority and the word of God. And they're going to struggle continually throughout their life because they've just struggled with authority because they were taught young that it all revolves around me. So what is the command? He says, children, obey your parents. And this deals with two areas, in action and in attitude. Action and attitude. Hupokuo is the Greek word, and it means to obey fully and immediately, cheerfully and agreeably. The, the, the word actually, hupokuo, means literally to listen under. To listen under. In other words, listen under. It's a present imperative. It's saying, children, always be listening under the authority of your parents. Always be teachable. Be learning to follow through, to be obedient. Always be obedient. And that doesn't mean that they're never disobedient. But it means the heart behind it is that God wants children to obey their parents. And so we would train our kids, and I wrote this on your outline, to obey fully and immediately cheerfully and agreeably, because there's a big difference, right? You ask your kid to take out the trash, and your kid is like, fine, grabs the trash, stomps it all around, you know, takes it out, and, and pretty soon you're like, I should have just done it myself, because that was annoying. Like, that was, like, it just wasn't even worth the drama that just happened right there, right? There's a difference. Did, did they obey in action? Yes, they totally obeyed in action, but was their attitude cheerfully, agreeably? No, you can train. Let me ask you a question. What if you and I as adults responded to the word of God cheerfully, agreeably, fully and immediately? How might that make our life a much better place than what we're trying to manage? What if we obey God fully, immediately, cheerfully, agreeably, 
we would become less a slave to self and more a servant of God. It would be a beautiful picture, wouldn't it? But the command is to obey your parents. And then the scope of the command is obey your parents in everything, in all things, right? Except where they are contrary to God's word. And let me say that because it's very important. I don't want you to think that in our culture, there are parents who are, who are awful. There are parents who are telling their kids to do things very contrary to God's word. And they could jump on something like this and say, well, it says obey me in everything. Or a child might think, i got to obey my parent in everything. But that's not true. If your parent told you to do something against God's word, don't do that. That would not be pleasing the Lord, right? That we're to obey our parents in all things. If your parent says, hey, just do whatever you want, but please, please just be responsible sexually. Please just be safe. Well, that would contradict what God's word says, doesn't it? There might be parents who out there just saying, you know, I mean, whatever they want, they may encourage you to involve yourself in all sorts of things because maybe that was their upbringing or the way that they tried it and they vicariously want to live out their me-centered thinking through you. Well, where God, where it contradicts God's word, we don't obey that. We walk in a way that pleases the Lord. Why? Because it's pleasing the Lord. See, it's not obey, obedience to the parents because the parents deserve it. It's obedience to the parents because we are submitting to Christ, because it pleases God. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to know how to please God? You want to like make God happy and learn how to please him? The way to do it is just by obeying your parents. The problem is when you take your eyes off God and pleasing him, and you go, mm, I don't know if I want to please them. And you want to get involved in that power struggle. It's what they want me to do versus what I want to do, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It pleases him. See, what happens when me-centered thinking grows up? Not only do we have kids acting like adults, but now we got adults throwing away responsibility, acting childish, acting foolish, uh, like kids would be. It becomes me-centered. So God also gives a command to parents. Uh, ch chapter 3, verse 21 of Colossians, Paul writes, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. And I want to ask, is, do you think Paul's just writing this just to dads when he says fathers? The word paterna actually means father, but it also means parents. In fact, it's exactly the same word used in Hebrews 11, 13, 23, where Paul, I believe, writing Hebrews says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. It's not just saying, hey, Moses' dad went and hid him in the reeds along the river, but they hid him for three months after he was born. It was parents. So here, Paul is saying, listen, especially you dads, but not exclusively you dads, it applies to moms too. And for some of you in the room, you are at odds. You get so frustrated when one parent or another parent embitters your children. And Paul is saying, don't do that, or they will become discouraged. So he says, the command, don't embitter your children, uh, uh, whatever that word is, says, <laughs> it worked first hour, I don't know why I just, uh, perorgizo means to rouse them to wrath, to exasperate, to provoke, to anger. And we have to ask the question, how might we embitter? Now let me just tell you something real quick here. I believe that there is a God who here today wants to build you up. But there's also a very real enemy, parents in the room, especially hear me, who wants to shame you down. 
God's not interested in shaming you down. He is interested in building you up like a coach. He wants to say, let me train you a better way when the ball got away from you. Let me train you how to do that better. Let me train you how to have a better hold on what you're trying to do here. And, and what I want you to do is I want you, if you hear the message of shame today, as we walk through some of these things, I want you to capture those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ who says, you're my son, you're my daughter, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. So I want you to hear that, but we have to be honest. How might you and I embitter our children, right? Sometimes it might be overprotection, that, that idea that's just this absolute smothering of them, that you're so afraid they're going to get hurt, they're going to get broken, they're going to do anything, that, that you're, just, you're just a constant instruction manual just all the time on everything and not letting them have certain freedoms within the realm of common sense. Maybe it's shaming all the time you're just talking down to your kids and you're just shaming who they are. That's, shame is an attack on who a person is, not even necessarily what they've done. It's, you're actually attacking who they are. Maybe it's shaming. Maybe it's yelling, that you're just yelling at them all the time. Uh, maybe it's physical abuse. See, there is the instruction in Scripture to correct our children. We'll get to that in a little bit. But we also live in a culture where there's physical abuse. And let me say, even as a youth pastor, oftentimes I would watch uh, that I would see a child's rebellion so often was in response to a parent's anger. Not always. But so often a child's rebellion in life is in response to a parent's anger. And so what happens? Finally, the kid just goes, fine, I'll show you. Maybe it's favoritism. You just like certain kids, not the others, and they know it. Maybe it's unrealistic demands. It's just this perfectionistic behavior. And what that does is that tells a child that they're incompetent. That tells them that, listen, well, you, you almost got it all the way where it needs to go, but you didn't do it right, and so now i got to come along. i got to fix it for you. And there's just this, and what does that tell? It just tells you, you know, you just can't do anything right. Maybe for what you've experienced or what you have done to embitter your children is maybe it's ignoring. You're just communicating that they're unimportant. See, we've seen all these commercials recently about technology, right? And it's all the people around a table are supposed to be having a social time or a family time and everybody's on their own phone doing stuff. And then, you know, it's encouraging us to put that stuff down. Make eye contact. Engage with the people around you. And what can happen unintentionally is that we communicate to our kids that they're unimportant. Because we are a me-centered culture, we're making ourselves important, or we're looking at everybody else's life to see how important they are. Maybe you're discouraging them. Discouragement means that you're telling a child that he or she is insignificant. It's like saying, yeah, but you'll never amount to anything much. That's great, you won an award and all, but I don't really, you know, it's no big deal. You're just communicating to them that they're insignificant. Maybe it's a lack of love. Uh, sometimes even that this child, you let them know, you are an embarrassment to us as parents. You are an embarrassment as a parent. And, and you just, whatever ways, you're just, you're just discouraging, you're embittering that child by withholding love because in your mind or in your heart, you've begun to believe the lie that that child is an embarrassment to you. Maybe it's neglect. Neglect just says you're inconvenient. I took my boys out to breakfast about a week ago, and we're sitting in this restaurant. We're outside at some little tables, and there's another dad, and he's got young kids, like just little young 
boys, and they are so excited, and they're playing with their little matchbox cars, and they're having a great time outside, and, and, uh, and the dad's on his phone a little bit, but we just start, struck up a conversation. I just said, man, it's so good to see you out here, like, taking your boys out, just having a great time. I'm so proud of you, like, as a dad to do that. And the guy's like, yeah, we're going to, like, the monster truck show later on. And, and then he just proceeded to tell me just how inconvenient it was to have to spend time with his kids. And I'm like, they're right there. Like, they hear everything you're saying. And he's just like, oh, it's just such a burden and just, you know, blah. And everything was like they're about a freeloader. And, you know, I mean, I was like, maybe it's just that neglect. So consumed with self that you can't be consumed with others. Maybe it's bitter words or deed. And, and let me just say as we're walking through this, as we go through a list like that, I want you to understand that adult children like you and me in the room, maybe we're going through this list and, and it's bringing up some of the fresh wounds or some of the neglect that you may have experienced growing up. And maybe God, the good, good father, wants to speak to you today in the now about his love for you. Because believe me, I believe that God is a good parent who will take you and me and he is a good healer who will begin to undo the sins of our parents. And he's good. And let me tell you, if you've not been a perfect parent, I certainly haven't been. But if you've not also, if we're in the same group, not been a perfect parent, there is a good, good father God who is a perfect parent and he's going to love and care for our kids. But he's also saying, don't embitter your children. Lay that down and said, pick something else up. And what he says this is to bring them up in the Lord. Paul said this in Ephesians 6, 4. He's carrying the same line of reasoning as he's talking to in the church at Colossae. But now he's writing to the church in Ephesus, same author, same guy. And he's filling out this idea. And he says this, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So what does it mean to bring them up? That doesn't, doesn't just wait to grow them up. Grow them up means you're waiting on a, a time clock for them to get a certain age, and then you're like, all right, you're off on your own. That's, they, they grew up. But bringing them up is active. It's different. And he, and he gives us some qualifications for the way that you and I are to bring up our children. And let me just tell you, if you are a child in this room, this is your training manual. If your parent is not doing this, you're a high schooler in the room, let's say your parent is not doing this. This is your training manual for adolescence. What I mean by that is this, that are you looking to the instruction and training of the Lord for how you're to live the rest of your life? Are you responding to your good, good father for how to lay the foundation for the rest of your life? And perhaps God wants to speak to you in the now. Well, number one, he says, instruct in word and example. So it's not just talk, but it's actually walking it and where you've had hypocrisy that there's humility. Because there are times that you and I have like, I have neglected you. I have spoken harshly to you. I reacted in anger. I did that. that there's just a, there's, where there's been that hypocrisy, where there's been that hurt toward our children, that we just have humility and we apologize. And it's so hard. I don't know why. So hard for us parents, right, to say I'm sorry. And then to begin that gradual work of change. And sometimes that takes time. Let me just give you another thing. When he says, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, don't just let them make up their minds about religion. Don't do that. Here's why. Could you imagine a basketball coach being like, all right, all right, so I want you guys to go down there, run this play, and then just 
Somewhere along the way, just make up your mind if you want to go off the court and play volleyball or just do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. Like, just go ahead and make up your mind. You guys are old enough. That doesn't lead anybody in any direction, right? To stand, to stand, you know, it's like standing on the hood of two cars and those cars are backing up and you're like, just make up your mind. Well, if they do that, they're going to like do the splits or they're going to fall down and get hurt or they're going to jump on something because they, it, it wasn't guided for them. Parents, you and I are to bring them up in the Lord. Let's worship together. Let's say, I, I know you like to sleep in because once you hit adolescence, all of a sudden you want to sleep a lot. And so I know you want to, but I'm not just going to let you bring it in mind. This is what we do as a family. This is what I as your parent am requiring of you, even if another parent in the house or another parent who influences you doesn't think the same. This is what we do. You want to bring them to the environment where part of bringing them up is worshiping together. Part of bringing them up is saying, I want to train and instruct you in the Lord, not just in whatever you think is best. Be proactive that way. Give them positive instruction, right? Because the opposite of discouragement is encouragement. So how do I encourage my son or my daughter? Help them persevere, Sometimes you got to train your kids to endure, to push through opposition, to outlast hard times. And, and let them know, listen, hard is not always bad. Sometimes hard is just hard. Yes, you start a new job. And yes, that boss may be critical toward you. And they're requiring you to be there on time and setting in on the time clock and that you got to do all these things. And it just doesn't seem fair. But sometimes hard is hard. It's not bad. It's part of growing up. When to bring them up, you respond to your employer as unto the Lord, right? Training your kids in that. I wrote this phrase on your, on your outline. It says, what is rewarded gets repeated. What do I mean by that? If you want to catch your kids at doing something right, praise them when you catch them doing something right. Because what gets rewarded gets repeated. So if you want, then you're like, thank you for doing that. Who, who told you to take out the trash? No one. You took initiative. Good job. Guess what? That trash will get taken out a lot more regularly. Why? Because what is rewarded gets repeated. Don't be a threatening, repeating parent who then resorts to reward as the last resort. Catch them when they're doing something right and reward that, and you'll begin to bring them up in the Lord. I saw how you went over to that other child who was eating lunch by themselves or they were alone. Good job. That's pleasing to the Lord. Let them know that their work matters, that their actions of love, their care, their concern. I saw you make eye contact with that person. I saw you shake hands with that person. I, I heard your thank you. I heard you do encourage the rest of us to pray before our meal at the table. Good job. We needed that. Here's what is interesting. He says, bring them up in the training and instruction in the Lord. That's two things. And here's what I want you to catch. Two different things. Training is really the word there for discipline. For discipline. And that is what you do. Parents, listen, when you're parenting your child and they do something wrong, there must be a consequence. Because there must be a consequence for sin. There must be the felt sting of sin. And when we, are, when we are parenting, there must be a consequence to the sin that has to be there, that it's associated with sin, because these are the grounds for where you and I begin to train our kids that even when you become an adult, as an adult, 
consequences happen to our sin. There's a sting to sin. It helps us turn away. It helps us turn back to God. And let me tell you, parents, there must be a response from you. There must be a sting associated with sin. There must be consequences for defiance, not for childishness, where they just didn't know. No one ever told them it was an accident. But where there is willful disobedience, where there is defiance, there must be the sting of sin. They must associate that with a consequence. But then he says, instruction. So there's the training part, which is what you do, but then there's the instruction, which is what you say. That you're instructing them why you're having them obey, why they need to do what they do. And let me tell you, what I see most often in our culture right now is instruction without consequence. I see adults trying to reason with little mini people who do not even yet have abstract thinking. Their mind is not developed. And adults are going into great detail, long conversations with very abstract thoughts. The kids are like, I understand your story that you told, and I understand this, but I have no idea how those two go together because until they're about the age 10, abstract thinking doesn't kick in. And I see parents trying to reason with their toddler. Oh, please get down off the table at the restaurant. Other people need to use this table. And, you know, and, and you go to this whole long reasoning thing that the kid's like dancing on the table and they're like trying to like, let's talk this out. Doesn't work. No. Bring the kid down off the table. Give him a consequence. If you can't sit in this seat, then we're bringing out the high chair and we are strapping you in. And then they'll flop over it, you know, the whole thing, right? That happens. But there must be a consequence. The action, the, the discipline is what you do, but then the training is what you say. And that's why after the consequence of sin, there must always be a follow-up conversation. If there's a time out, there needs to be a debrief before time in. There needs to be a conversation. If there's a, a, an apology that needs to happen, there needs to be a you are forgiven and you are free. And that consequence is now over. It doesn't get carried on all throughout the rest of your day or the rest of your life. There needs to be a debrief after it. So it's discipline and training and instruction in the Lord. Both those things are in the Lord. Let me just give you some last thoughts as our, our time is getting a little bit away from us here today. And, and I want you to, number one, realize this, avoid debates. There, listen, parents, there are certain battles that you must win because you're the parent. You must absolutely win that. And let me tell you, I see all too often parents debating with their kids, and kids know how to fight back these days. Don't touch me. Don't you touch me. Don't lay a hand on me. And they'll, they'll come back. Don't, you know, and they'll come back with all their arguments and all their things. It's like a little kid acting like an adult trying to have a, this debate and bring you into this power struggle. And you're like, how in the world did I have a power struggle with someone half my size? Avoid the debate. Use the broken record technique. Nope, I just need you. You're, if you're old enough to get it out, you're old enough to put it away. I don't have uh, no one else, but I just need you to put it away. I just need you to put it away. All right, broken record technique. I just need you to put it away. If you're old enough to get it out, just need you to put it away. Now, let me tell you, it doesn't mean we don't listen to our kids. We taught our kids a thing called an appeal rule, which means this, that the kids could say, well, Dad, could I appeal for a minute? And if they appealed, they'd have to bring new information. They couldn't just appeal to argue more with the same information. So sometimes my kids would be like, Dad, can we do this on this certain night? And I'm like, no, no, you can't. Just, you guys, honestly, our schedule's been out of control. You can't do that. No. Well, Dad, can I appeal? Well, do you have some new information? Well, yeah, Dad, that commitment we had for that night, that practice actually got canceled. We're wide open. Oh, 
new information, right? I'm not all-knowing as a parent. There's got to be a medium by which we can communicate, but there's got to be new information. If you just want to argue to argue's sake, we're going to avoid the debate. Another thing, pray for your kids. Fight for your kids in prayer. Don't just fight against them. Don't just fight against the fears you have for them. Fight for them in prayer. And while you're at it, pray for yourself, right? Because how often are you and I like, oh, Lord, I need it. I am prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to respond back in anger. I'm prone to get involved in the argument. I'm prone to do this and pray for yourself. God, I need you. And with humility, and I've not done it perfectly. I've not done it right. Don't get discouraged. Listen, but keep on consistently keeping on. Don't bend the rules. Keep on. Let me tell you, if your parents have young children right now, there will be a reward, a blessing for you if you just consistently keep on keeping on and don't just throw in the towel and give up and let them do what they want to do. Keep on with it. Let me just tell you, don't get discouraged. The enemy wants to discourage so that you will stop. And isn't parenthood just a guilt-producing endeavor? Right? It's so easy for all of us to go, oh, I'm horrible as a parent. We can just... But I don't want you to hear that. I want you just to hear the Lord saying in the now, keep on, keeping on. From this day forward, you, just keep, you keep going. And last, I want to tell you this. Maybe this is all that you need to hear today, but it's never too late to start encouraging. Listen to me, parents. Your kids may already be brought up, but they can always be built up. Some of you are parents of adult children in this room, and you're like, I can't go back. I can't undo what I've done. Your kids may already be brought up, but they can always be built up. They can be encouraged. And what I believe the Lord wants to do to you today is not tell you to grow up. I want to believe he wants to tell you and say, let me build you up in training and instruction of the Lord. And if you've gotten away from your training and your instruction of the Lord, it's time to get back to responding to his authority and the training and instruction of the Lord to bring order out of your chaos and to restore the order that Christ resolves when he brings you the, to the point where you're willing to put him first in the family. Let me tell you, if you've got adult children, they're off doing the thing and maybe you as a parent are experiencing regret. They can, maybe they're already brought up, but they can always be built up. And that's your job. And over time, they begin to trust that you're building them up isn't for ulterior reasons or out of guilt. It's just, I'm entrusted to continue to build you up. Listen, the most valuable contribution that any parent can make for kids is that we do everything possible to, to set the date for them to fall in love with Jesus. You can't make them accept Christ. You can't make them do everything you want in their future. But you and I can set the date with them. We can do everything possible to make the date set where they just might say, Jesus, I love you. In fact, I'm going to work on obeying my parents because I love you more than them. It would be a beautiful thing. Let me ask you this. What has God said to you today in the now? What has he said to you right now? God, I don't have it. I, I, I can't see the future. I don't, know, I don't know how to undo everything I've done. God, I, I don't know how my kids are going to turn out. God, I don't know. I'm just trying to keep up with today. And God's just saying, but will you trust me with the now? Will you make the decision here before you have it in your hand? Will you trust me with your kids? Children, obey your parents. But God, you don't understand how unreasonable my mom is, how unreasonable my dad is. I don't even know if I want kids in the future. Will you trust me? in the now.
Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Believers in the room, maybe you just have resonated that God has talked to you today. There's been something that has been your sermon for the day that God's Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, and he's just told you what he wants to tell you in the now. And I just want to ask if you as believers will respond to him in that. Whatever it is, would you just step and say, yes, God, I'll make that decision in my head before I have it all worked out. I will say yes to you. And maybe some of you in this room, you're realizing for the first time that you've never given your life to Christ, that today is the day of salvation, that you need to respond to him, that he died on the cross for your sin and he canceled that sin out and he makes a way for you to have eternal life to become a son or a daughter of the most high God whom he loves and with whom he is well pleased. But it starts when you and I surrender and say, God, I'm gonna say yes to your offer of a gift of salvation because of what you did on the cross. And if that's you today, then you pray a prayer right where you're seated after me. You just pray this, Jesus, today I'm saying yes to you. I ask you to come into my life and make me a new creation. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. You were buried in the grave and you rose to new life and that you are God. And so today, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.